This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. All right. We are live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are on episode 79 of the Laravel News Podcast. So happy to have you joining us. We are a couple weeks behind. In fact, I think we're going to be covering three weeks worth of news in this podcast today. Is that correct, Mr. Dorinda? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. We have been... Uh, dadding? Tired. We've been dadding. <laughs> dadding. There's been a lot of dadding. I think you, you slept through one week. We were trying to record and I slept through the other one. And then last week... We had our like massive marketing event here for the uh, supercar race, which is, I guess, kind of like your, what do you call it? The one where they go around in circles? Oh, uh, NASCAR. NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, except we have like we have a track. It's, it's not just circles. So you only see the cars like for four and a half seconds out of every two minutes as they come past. It looks past pretty the, cool. The it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you got to go around the track a couple of times. I got to, yeah, yeah, I got to go on a, on a what they call a hot lap or a fast lap. In okay. a, an Audi RS4, so it's, I I got there and I thought you know we're just gonna go for a quick scoot around the track you know nothing too serious. I got in the back of this station wagon, so I didn't really think much of it. It was kind of like a luxurious car inside. I had sat nav and all the you know reversing cameras and front cameras and and he sort of pulled out on the track the driver and uh, you know he was going pretty slow and I thought yeah you know it's it's cool like I get to go on the track I don't care and as soon as he went around that first corner he just gunned it man. He fanged it and off he went. He was, yeah, I think there were some corners we were taking at 140 kilometers an hour. No which, way. Yeah, yeah it seemed really fast. It's pretty fast. So it was a lot it of looked, fun. We did it that. It looks cool. You could hear the tires squealing and stuff. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. The, the, the yeah, exhaust had that good that good pop sound. Yeah, so. yeah, it did. And then I mean, and you then, were like, uh, so well, how much does one of these run? <laughs> yeah, it was like 150,000 Australians. So yeah, yeah. It was pricey. a bit expensive, probably probably a little out of our budget, and I haven't quite reached that midlife crisis uh, time yeah. yet. So you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Give it time. We'll, we'll save that for later. But yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then the next day we went around the track in a in a golf buggy, which took just a little bit longer. <laughs> ah, maybe touch, maybe touch. Yeah. yeah, it looked fun though. It looked like you guys had a great time. So that's it's awesome. Good, good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to jump right into it because we have so much to do here, and uh, I'll apologize. It's probably not going to be in any particular order. We do have quite a few things to get through. Like I said, we have some really great packages. We have some releases we're going to be talking about, and then, of course, in between the last time we've had the show and now, we also had Laracon Online 2019, which went really well, so we'll be talking about that too. So the first thing I'm going to jump into is the Laravel Options Package. So it looks like this is a nice little package that really kind of just abstracts some of the uh, pieces that you would need in order to implement a really basic global database key value options store. Um, so this would be, um, you know, it's something that you can set from the command line. So you can say PHP art is an option set, give it a value and then give it a, um, I'm sorry, give it a key and then give it a value. Really, this would be something like to me as I was looking through this is something like cash remember forever sort of deal. Mm -hmm. um, right. That's that's kind of what it feels like to me, except for it stores it in a database, right? So then, uh, and, and also instead of saying cash and then get a key out of some some cash, uh, you say option and then some key, right? Uh, and then option, 
you know, and then you pass an array and that will set it. And then you can say option exists. So it does feel very similar to uh, something like what you would have with uh, a cache sort of uh, situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically this little package just makes it uh, nice for you to be able to do that. Some, maybe some like feature flags or anything that you can think that you would need as like a global option you could set using this, using this package. I think for me, like I've not reached for something like this before because there are a couple other options. Like in, in this case for me, typically some of the ways that I'll get around this is I'll have like something in a config um, and then I'll have like something in an ENV, right. If I need to be able to like swap it out in, in, in production or something like that. And I think for me, the reason why I would do that is because it's kind of in the, what's the word I'm looking for here? change history what's the word i'm looking for what is the in the version control version control thank you it's in (laughs) oh my word yes it's in version control and that way like developers following behind you know that this option exists right yeah Uh, and if it's just kind of in the database like people behind you may or may not know that this option exists so uh, i can see this being uh useful for something like ephemeral uh that doesn't need to stick around for very long um but uh for something that's like production necessary. Uh, I I don't know if I'd use this, but in any case, it's out there. So go take a look. Thank you, Mr. Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human for writing that one up for us. There was another one I wanted to talk about before we kind of uh, get into some of the other ones, which was 5.7.26. So uh, there was a release with 5.7.26 and there was a couple different things uh, that were in here. I'm going to breeze over some of them. The one is a then return method, which was added to the pipeline, uh, which allows you to it's just a new method that basically allows you to say then return at some point in the pipeline and then you can uh, continue on. Mm-hmm. Have you used pipelines very much, Mr. Dorinda? No. And I'd, I'd really like to, but a lot of our pipelines are conditional. There's not, like it's not going to hit this, then this, then this, then this. So we don't really get to leverage this kind of stuff. We kind of just stack our jobs and events on. So we would fire or dispatch events, dispatch jobs, inside jobs, inside jobs. And they would all be responsible for saying like, do I need to do this? If this other bit of processing has to happen, then dispatch. I don't know that pipeline has the ability to do conditional stuff. Like you do when and then do this job kind of thing. It just expects that everything's going to happen one after the other. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I know that like David Hemphill in his talk that he had at Laracon AU, he talked about pipelines some. And I think that uh, I know TJ Miller also uses them in a couple different places. And I feel like I'm in a similar circumstance where there are some spots where I could use them. But again, I do have this sort of conditional logic. And I'm sure that that's actually something you can get around. Mm-hmm. Um, my other question is like, what happens if like one of the things in the pipeline fails? I don't know. And I may be thinking about this all the way wrong too. Like, I, yeah. I you know. I mean, Taylor, I think Taylor tweeted about this a little while ago where he was demonstrating how he would use a pipeline. And I guess in in that situation where something would fail, that you'd, you'd want each of the steps of the pipeline to be as idempotent as possible so mm. that, you know, running them again doesn't doesn't change the outcome. Like it's always going to be the same outcome. doesn't matter if it fails at step three. If you run them all again, correcting whatever happened, you know, for step three to fail that the first two or the first three steps would always have the same result. That makes so sense. So I guess that's that's kind of the difference there. And so if you're worried about like step four and five, something being, you know, if step three fails and four and five were to be run a second time, or the, sorry, the, if step three fails and the first three had to be run again, would you get the exact same outcome had that third step not failed? I guess is sure. the way of looking at it. Yep. 
that makes sense. That makes sense. So if you're into the pipeline stuff, there you go. There's a new method for you there. There was a couple new uh, public getter methods added to uh, tagged cache and response trait. License files were added to each Illuminate component, blah, blah, blah. Here's the one I wanted to talk about. Um, so have you ever wanted to... So, you know, a lot of people will do this where they will hook into the boot method of a particular model and then they will listen for certain events that are happening and then they will take action right so you yeah. could do this using like um maybe the event service provider where you hook into certain event uh, or i'm sorry certain model life cycle hooks right or like if something's being uh there's like saved or like saving saved creating created or or whatever right there's a bunch of them yeah. i think it's like six or seven of them right uh but kind of a shortcut method is to like hook into the boot method right in the model itself so you can kind of see all mm -hmm. that code is like co-located there so i've done this a couple different times but what i've found is it can be very frustrating especially if you're in your tests and that functionality is always kind of firing off right and and I think previously what you've been able to do is you've been able to like, you can either fake events and just say like, Hey, all together, just don't do event. Like just fake them, stop doing that. And it will do that. But sometimes you only want to stop doing it for like a quick second, right? Like in your test. And then you want to resume mm -hmm. that. So now what you have is you have this model without events method, which was added to temporarily bypass model events. So you can say uh, like user without events, and then you can do like a factory create on that user. Uh, mm -hmm. So it won't do any of the subsequent events that would, or any of the subsequent steps that would have happened if you were like hooking into that, uh, into those events somewhere else. Right. But then it can, and then it can uh, completely resume on the very next line. Okay. Go ahead and resume what you would do if these, if those events were, were in place. So it's just a nice little temporary override. And this is going to be really helpful in one code base in particular that I had to kind of mess with this a lot. And the other thing that I found, which was like an old, it was an old piece of crufty code, but I was relying on that functionality in some of my tests. Like in the test, I would have a mm -hmm. comment like, hey, this is automatically going to create this. That's a bad situation because you're tying yourself yeah. to implementation there, right? You kind of want your test to be like, hey, let me explicitly set up what I want to be the situation here and then make some assertions mm -hmm. uh, or take action and then make some assertions. And so like if you are, if you are, you know, planning your setup step based on some of those boot methods uh, or some of those events happening, you're, you're tying yourself pretty tightly to some implementation. And if you change that later on, you're going to break your tests, which is not good. Yeah. So anyway, probably spent way too long on that, but there you go. That's the only thing I really wanted to talk about in 5.7.26. So that's that. All right. Uh, speaking of releases, we may as well tick along. There was a couple more in the 5.7 train. Um, okay. There was 5.7.27 and 5.7.28. It's probably not worth going into too much detail, save to say that in 5.7.28, your Laravel 5.7 apps will now require either Feenstalk 4 or 3, both handled transparently through the Beanstalk queue driver. And in starting with Laravel 5.8, you'll need to use Feenstalk version 4. So the other thing that was introduced was the ability for users to configure token guards, token guard input and storage keys in the auth card configuration. But the last thing to note is that now that Laravel 5.8 has been released, Bug fixes for Laravel 5.7 will end on the 4th of March, which was a week ago. Interesting, yeah, okay. And security yep. fixes will continue until the 4th of September of 2019. So you've got security fixes, but don't expect to see any more features in 5.7 now that 5.8 has been released. Okay, 
Good, good to know. So Taylor talked about this a little bit about the uh, token guard. So token guard has kind of been one of those things that's been in the framework for forever. I think like five, two, five, one, five, two introduced yeah, long, this token long guard long, long time ago. It was and never, I actually, very, never really well documented except for one blog post that always seemed to pop up anytime you Google yeah, for it. Correct. There's this one guy. I don't know. He was like a, he's like way ahead of his time, you know, was using the token guard before it was even cool. That was my blog. That's right. That was my blog post. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only blog post I've ever had that's gotten any traction. So like mm-hmm. when uh, Taylor started talking about, hey, no, there's this token guard thing that's never been well documented. We're going to put it in the docs. I'm like, no, <laughs> my traffic is all going to go away. Not that it was ever doing anything for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of been uh, documented in 5.8, but I mean, you can go back far, far, far and use it anywhere. And it's really, really handy, especially like for us, like where we have, it's not a microservices architecture, but we have some internal apps that are calling to other internal apps. And it's just a very, very thin layer to say, Hey, just make sure that the person hitting this endpoint, you know, has permission to do so. And then I just store the API key and the ENV variable on the, you know, yeah. And the one that's going to be calling it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what this is, uh, what you read was that you can configure the token guard input and storage keys in the auth guard configuration. So what that means is when it comes in, you can either do it as like a query string parameter where you can say like API underscore key, uh, but you can now customize that. You could just call it token. You could call it bearer. You could call it guard. I mean, you could call it whatever you want. And then you also have the storage key, which allows you to say, here's the value in the database that you should be looking for the column in the database. And again, previously it would have been API underscore token, but now you can customize that to be whatever you'd like. So yeah, if you haven't used that before, like it's a heck of a lot easier than passport. Not that passport is terrible, but like sometimes it's just overkill, right? For what I need it for, it would not be necessary. All I need is just a little API key. So yeah. So there's that. Nice. Okay. All right. Moving on here. Okay. So we've got a couple other things before we catch up to our you know, little handy summary that Eric Barnes puts together for us every, every little once mm-hmm. in a while here. So we've got two other things that we want to talk about here. I was going to say, before we get onto that stuff, we might as well stay on the release train and talk about Laravel 5.8. Do it. Let's hit it. Uh, it is obviously now that we're very behind in this show. Laravel 5.8 was released on, I think, the 26th of February. So it was about a week and a bit ago at the time of this recording. The release I've includes several new upgraded. features. You've already upgraded everything? All of them. Just kidding. All of them. Not really. No, you I just, should. You're just trying to hit that shift leaderboard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Take over. Freak won't, Freak won't have anything on me once I shift all <laughs> of our stuff over there. So this release includes several new features, including the latest bug fixes and improvements to the framework's core. We've talked about a lot of this stuff on previous episodes, so we'll just hit the high-level things here, and then we will link up in the show notes Taylor Otwell's presentation from Laracon Online from just a few days ago where he goes into a bit more detail about some of these new features. So, an integration with PHP.m version 3 now ships with Laravel 5.8 and includes a few new features through that implementation. We've got more flexibility in terms of which parts of the environment we are able to read and modify. We've got first-class support for multi-line variables. No more trimming of values. You get them exactly as they have been added in your ENV file. So if you have had trailing white space in your ENV file previously, php.env will have trimmed that so that you know maybe if you had a password that you accidentally copied the white space at the start or the end of it, it had worked. You may find your application stops working now as a result. Um, but check out the 
article on Laravel News, which has full details on those updates. Laravel 5.8 is now also capable of using either Carbon version 1 or Carbon version 2 for your date management and manipulation needs, which includes the ability to use Carbon Immutable and even make Carbon Immutable the default in your applications, which is great. I'm sure we've all come across situations where we've had a date and then we've, say, added a month to it or something like that. So we've had um, like, for example, you wanted to set a start and an end time. So you'd have dollar start equals carbon now. And then you've gone uh, dollar end is dollar start add month. And you found that both of those values are now the end uh, values. Yes. So yes. Using, using carbon immutable means that those values won't change. You will get a new instance of carbon if you add a month to it rather than updating the underlying one. And this stems down to the underlying daytime library that it, that Carbon is built on top of in the uh, from the PHP language, the standard programming right. interfaces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one that will probably affect a large number of people is the cache time to live changes mm-hmm. that we talked about on the previous episode. Um, this is a fairly significant change that would have moderate to high impact if you're using caching anywhere in your application. Previously, the value that you specified uh, as the time to live was in minutes. In order to facilitate better compatibility with the PSR that uh, that package implements, that has now been changed to seconds. So if previously you've been using a carbon instance to specify the cache length, you don't need to change anything. If you've been specifying minutes, so just as an integer value, you will now need to do that. You'll have to go and when you upgrade to Laravel 5.8, you'll have to update that all to seconds. So you have to multiply everything by 60. Yeah, I was going to say quick hot tip on that. Yeah, like a lot of times, you know, you'll set your um, time to be like 3,600, right? Which is mm-hmm. like 60, 60 minutes, whatever. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, um, like even if it's in, even if it's going to be, I don't know, probably just in minutes, whatever, but I'll do like the number times 60 or if I'm going to do like a certain number of hours, I'll, I'll kind of like help myself figure that out by putting some of the multiplication in line there so you can mm-hmm. see what's actually, you know, what's happening. So you don't have to try and interpret a number like 3,600 or 4,800 or, or yeah. you know, what have you, um, you know, I believe I've divide seen by a, 60. I believe I've seen a package somewhere that that is just a whole collection of constants for this stuff. I'll see if I oh, can interesting. Oh, that's a good it. idea. I'll see if I can find it and, and pop it in the show notes. But essentially, there's just constants defined for like a minute, an hour, a day, oh, all those smart. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that way would you don't, be good. don't have to worry about, you know, figuring out is this in minutes or seconds or whatever. Because um, you're going to have very, very common sets of, you know, it's either going to be, it's going to be, you know, similar to the schedule. It's going to be a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah. a half hour. You know what I mean? And, and even if they don't have a constant, you could take a, you know, an operator. Uh, what do you call it? A thing? You would take like a minute and multiply that by five because then then it would be obvious that it's five minutes because right. it's a minute multiplied by right. five As uh, to your point of doing the inline multiplication there. So I'm pretty sure that's the thing. I don't think I made it up um, and I will try my best to link it up in the show notes if the I can The other nice thing about it. that too would be like um, if you used that previous to this, all you'd have to do is just go into that file and change what the constants were equal to you just multiply each one by 60 and you'd, you'd have your entire mm-hmm. app updated right no problem mm-hmm. so that's pretty handy too good yeah. good reason I, to be using those constants um I, I mean i think the path that we've settled on for our applications is to use the the carbon instances i think that's fairly declarative as well 
I believe if you use Laravel Shift to upgrade to 5.8, it will actually go and find all of these things and update I'm sure them it would. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another time saver for you if you're using that stuff. Uh, Thanks, you, J-Mac. You know, in case you needed another reason to use Laravel Shift. Yes, indeed. Um, don't don't forget that the string and array helpers, the global helpers, so all the str underscore functions and the array underscore functions have been deprecated in Laravel 5.8 and will be removed in a future version. There will be compatibility provided um, from a first-party Laravel helpers package, but thing you'll start seeing inside the core that all of this stuff is going to start using the underlying classes rather than the the string helpers and the array helpers that, that currently sit in the global namespace. Um, another really cool feature that we've got is automatic policy resolution. So from 5.8, as long as the policies and the models are in the con- are in conventional locations, you will not need to register them register them in the auth service provider class. Um, yep. If you do it's prefer handy. to use non-conventional paths for models and policies, you can just register a callback to register those policies or continue to configure them manually. Um, but all of this uh, stuff we've got linked up in the show notes for you. There's also things, more new features around Nexmo and Slack notification channels. There's blade template file paths, markdown file directory changes, and so on and so forth. As I said, we'll link up in the show notes Taylor's presentation from Laracon Online this year which is available for everybody for free where he goes into uh, a bit of detail about these changes. So check that out as well. Yeah, we've also got a 5.8.2 and 0.3 release as well uh, that's out there on the uh, on Laravel News. Um, so quick highlight hit on that. Looks like we've got a count by method that's been added to the uh, collection class. Uh, looks like you've also got... A model query method. I, I mean, it's just a couple things here. Nothing really that's even able to be explained uh, really easily, you know, over the air. The only one that I think is worth really highlighting that uh, Taylor talked about is um, actually no, 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 no. This is this is talking about a belongs to many here. The one I was going to talk about is the one he says has one through. So we've had a has mm-hmm. many through um, relationship. The has one through is like the the first new relationship and eloquent that's been added in forever. Uh, yeah. So that was interesting as well. Taylor talked about in his, in his talk as well as uh, some, some changes around pivot classes. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. So again, he does a much better job talking about it in his talk. I'll, I'll kind of defer to him on that and uh, let the guy who, who built it talk about that. So there you go. Hey, speaking of Laracon online, if, you didn't get a chance to buy a ticket or you haven't watched the videos, you can still purchase a ticket. I can't tell you when the tickets will cease to be available for purchase. So I wouldn't wait too long for that. Otherwise, you won't see those videos until Laracon Online 2020. So be sure to check that out. You know, all of our listeners know how much we love trying to talk about code and fail miserably at it. It's not... Audio is not a very conducive medium to doing that kind of stuff. Video, how on the other hand, is. And Christoph Rumpel has a great series called Laravel Core Adventures where he wanders through topics related to the internals of the Laravel framework. The format is essentially a high-level topic with multiple videos introducing you to each concept and walks you through how it works under the hood with the goal being to explain and demystify the Laravel framework internals. So... There's a bit of fun about the naming of these things. There's the Chamber of Facades. There's the Forgotten Hall of the Request Cycle. Um, <laughs> nice. 
these videos, I've, I've only watched the first two or three of them. Um, they go into a lot of detail. There's multiple videos per chapter. And Christoph has done a, a good job on diving into these concepts. The videos are great. I believe they're free. If you sign up, you'll get notifications when new videos come out. If you're more of a, a reader, a learner by reading, there's also the deep dive into the Laravel core from Muhammad Saeed that you can check out. Uh, we'll have links to both of those things in the show notes. Yeah, we've also kind of got like, speaking of like recurring series, sort of, Paul Rudman has been doing this building a view SPA with Laravel. And so I think we're all the way up to part five now. So he's got five different blog posts out there that talk about this exact topic. So if you've ever kind of been intimidated by that prospect, I remember I was and still happen to be in some occasions intimidated by this. The first kind of open source project that I saw that I really dove into where they were using view router and that sort of stuff was that uh, one that you and Matt were working on what was that confomo confomo yeah yeah and so that was a that was a really good start uh to take a look at that but paul walks through this in the in the way that he does his very he's a very like teacher sort of oriented guy and does a great job explaining this um like long form you know walking you through every single step and so i would encourage any of you who are looking to get into that arena to to make this one of your first stops taking a look at this building of view spa with laravel part one through five. You can check that out at laravel-news.com slash, let's see what it is. It's going to be, yeah, building a USP. Yeah, no, 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 never mind. Just go to the website. <laughs> <laughs> just, mess, just just go search for it. You'll find it. We'll link our part one and you'll find the rest from there. There you go. Absolutely. Hey, um, there was a couple of other cool things that uh, I wanted to talk about. The one specifically, which is not really necessarily related to Laravel, but it is if you're a developer, right? This GitHub ads draft pull requests. Have you seen this or had a chance to, to look at this? I actually had not seen this until we, we started prepping for the show. But this looks pretty awesome. I, I had seen it. Um, I, I mean, I don't really use GitHub a lot day to day. We're a GitLab, <gasps> we're a GitLab operation. So <gasps> that's right. You heard. You heard. That's, that's rough. That's rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, we love GitLab. It gives us all of the tools we need all in one place. Okay, there you go. You know, I can't say too much because I've never really used GitLab, so I don't <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say. But uh, <laughs> you know what? It would actually be really interesting for us to, to pair some time and for you to show me all the tools that you guys have with GitLab because I've literally never, I've never used it at all, at all. Yeah. So I have nothing to say about it. I know, do you, does TJ use it as well, GitLab? I think, I think he was on it. I think he's now... He may be back on uh, on the GitHub train, but um, I mean, we mainly use it for the CI stuff because um, we all of the gotcha. CI sits there right alongside um, GitLab, whereas Travis is a third party server. I think Travis sure. has been purchased by some big yeah, conglomerate recently. recently. Yeah. yeah, so interesting to see what happens in that space. But yeah, GitLab mm-hmm. gives us the code repository. It gives us the issues. It gives us pull requests. It gives us um, obviously the the CI stuff all in one place. So it just makes it easy. It means we're not logging into different services and looking in different places for different things. Um, and I suppose that's the biggest selling point for us is that we don't have to worry about, you know, all of these different things. And um, eventually we're going to move to our own self-hosted version just so that we I can see, have all so that stuff you're not using site. a self-hosted version right now. You're still, you're still using like a... Yeah, we're, we're just on gitlab.com at the moment. Um, gotcha. But yeah, we'll, we'll eventually move everything internally just so that we've got access to all of our multi-layered VPN servers so that we can do deployments and things like that directly from GitLab pipelines. So interesting. Very cool. 
Well, yeah, we, uh, I mean, that is true. I mean, we have, you know, style CI that we're using from Graham Campbell. We have Travis CI that we're using. We have sleuth, which is kind of a CI thing that I wrote, which checks for, um, vulnerable dependencies. We have, uh, forge, which manages our servers Envoy, which manages our deployment processes. Right. So, um, yeah, we do kind of have to jump around a little bit and kind of see all those things. So mm. I suppose that would be interesting if I had a way to do all that. But I mean, some of the things like uh, they just work so well right now, like Envoy, yeah. like the zero downtime deployment stuff. It works like a charm. I love it. But yeah, I could see the benefit of that. Looping back around, coming back off that rabbit trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these draft pull requests. So the idea is a lot of times. Um, so when we want to start working on a feature, it starts probably as an issue, but then very quickly, as soon as code gets pushed in, it's not really able to be visualized super well if it's just in a branch. Because if it's yeah. just in a branch, it's just kind of like hidden in there. Like it's you can go click on branches, right? But it's not necessarily like very obvious that there's a piece of code that's being actively worked on right now. Yeah. So a lot of times what that takes, what that does is, you know, you know, open a pull request. The trick with that is I feel like I have to ask on a regular basis, hey, is this pull request ready to go? Like, are you ready for review on this? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, sometimes even if they say like request review, like I don't necessarily know if that actually means it's ready yet or or what, right? So so you kind of have this in-between state where you say like, hey, we want to have this piece of code that we're working on that we can kind of actively collaborate on, but it's not yet ready for review and it's more just sort of like an idea, right? So that's (laughs) really what this draft pull request is supposed to do. It's supposed to kind of fill that, right? So it, it allows you to signal... Uh, that it's the start of a conversation, but it's not ready yet to be like judged or reviewed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that's the idea. And so I'm I'm very interested to give this a try and and see how this works. The the interesting thing about draft pull requests and and GitLab has this this functionality has had for a long time called WIP pull requests, so work in progress pull requests. It's they're not there to be judged and things like that, but you would casually stroll in on one and have a look at the code and maybe make some suggestions on it. The problem with having a WIP pull request is that you could get in the cycle of like endlessly, you know, reviewing it or making suggestions and things like that. Obviously, this is up to you. You know, you may just totally ignore that thing until it's no longer a draft, but it gives you a bit of tension because you're looking at this thing and the feature getting slowly bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually you've got like these massive pull requests to review at the end of it. So it's nice to be able to like see it and know that that is coming so you can start at least taking notes for yourself before you have to sit down and actually review it proper. I think this is, I mean, again, we're, we're kind of off the topic of news here. This is probably something we should pull into our own show, but, mm-hmm. um, this, this whole, you know, I think that's why I really like the idea of like base camp scoping their work to be like six weeks and they have to ship something in six weeks mm-hmm. because it really does limit the amount of stuff that you can do. Because when you end up with these massive pull requests that are hundreds of files changed and, and that sort of deal, it does get so intimidating to merge it in. Even if you do have good tests, really, yeah. even if you have good tests, it's just like you feel like there's no way you can go over that code really, really well and collaborate on it at that point because you're making so many changes or mm-hmm. um, you know it's just difficult to wrap your head around the whole thing so um, I like having those smaller sort of features you got to cut them off somehow though so it looks like next up on the list is snipe migrations Laravel package so this was funny because during Laracon online I saw this guy he mentioned like during this in the speaker questions uh, you could say you know tag the the person who was speaking that you wanted to answer so Taylor Outwell was like you know what should we do if we have migrations that are causing you know the tests to be really slow 
I was like, oh, no way. I just saw something about this on, on Laravel mm-hmm. News. So Snipe Migrations Laravel package. I, I copied and pasted this to him in the chat. I was like, here you go, man. He's like, yeah, I wrote that. I'm, I'm Dustin Fraker. <laughs> I, I just wanted to know if Taylor had an idea for how to fix this. I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. So anyway, basically what this package does, it takes a snapshot of your MySQL database and then it imports the schema to your test beta- database rather than running all of your migrations when the test suite, suite starts up. So you can see how this would be slightly faster instead of having to mm. do all of the, you know, I mean, let's say you had a thousand migrations. I don't know if that's possible, but let's say you had a bunch of migrations and I had to run through and run the up method on all of those and do all the subsequent queries to get to mm-hmm. the spot where you need to be. Uh, what this does is essentially says, okay, build the whole database up, take a snapshot of what the schema looks like, and then just import that at the beginning mm-hmm. of your tests, right? So a pretty simple package. You just bootstrap it on. And uh, it'll do exactly what I just said. So I will, I will tell you how this goes because we have dozens. We're maybe even in the realm of like at least 100 migrations now. Um, and we actually okay. did discuss like doing a schema dump of the database and using that in our tests. And the good thing about using the schema dump is that you can take a snapshot and you can say like, do this first, import all of this to build the database and then still run the migrations. And because you have a snapshot of your migrations, it's only going to run whatever has been added since that snapshot. So you you know you only have to do it when it starts to slow down, and when it starts to slow down, you do a new snapshot, and then it'll, you know just keep going from there. So um, we don't know necessarily that it's going to make things faster, but migrating the database takes about twelve seconds in our test suite. Wow! Um, and our test suite takes like sixteen seconds to run, so it's most of the <laughs> Most of the run of the database, uh, most of the test suite run is migrating the database. So, yeah, I will report back next time if either of us remembers how that went. <laughs> okay, okay, sounds good, man. Yeah, kind of uh, along the same path, and I feel like we keep doing this, like where we say the speaking of, and try and make this nice little transition. Um, but this is not even on the list. But I saw it this week on Twitter. Uh, Rasmus C. Nielsen, uh, who we are no stranger to. Um, created this really nice package uh, called, let's see what it's called, Laravel Factory Enhanced. So um, basically, it is a really nice fluent syntax sort of way to attach a bunch of relationships and scaffold up, you know, a bunch of relationships really easily and really nicely. Again, I'm going to basically just be reading some code here, but it allows you to say like factory server class with team. So like you just kind of leverage what you have named as mm. the the method that you have to to kind of go get the, you know, the team that the belongs to that server. Yeah. yeah. So with team and then you can chain on with three sites and that will kind of, you know, add three sites to the team. Right. And then create. So what would have probably taken, I don't know. I don't know, probably five or six lines, right? And not been yeah. super clear. Now you can do in plain English. It looks really, really good. He's thought through a lot of this. It's also got closures for customization. He's got creating random, um, you know, he's like some randomness in there so that your, you know, your test can make sure it's covering some of those random cases. It's just really good and really well thought out. So I was very impressed by this. Here is the one thing that's a little bit, people won't like some of this, right? And here's what it is. is basically it overwrites your default factory helper 
Okay. So that's kind of, that's kind of the trade-off, right? Is that it overwrites your default factory helper. However, he's spent a lot of time to make sure that it, it is compatible with the, with the original one. Um, so it just kind of straps on some additional functionality. That's the only thing that I can think that would hold people back a little bit, but it's really, really nice. And so yeah. you know, a lot of times what holds people back from creating really good cedars is some of this stuff, right? All the relationships yeah. can get to be a little bit messy, but this really does make it very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, he's done a really great job with it. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Way to go, Rasmus. And uh, everybody should go check that out. We will link it up in the show notes. And Absolutely. hopefully we'll get a post up on it. Maybe Paul will be kind enough, kind enough to write a post up for us mm. about that. That'd be great. Or maybe just tell Rasmus to write one up. He, he'd probably do that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What we got next? Laravel Tinker Server Package. This is a package okay. by... I, I swear Marcel is going to give uh, Freik and Spasia a run for their money with all the packages that he's cranking out. This is a thing. I'm tan- I'm on a tangent here, but this is the thing we are talking about before the show, that all these people that have left full-time employment to go and like, pursue their own things just crank out all of this cool stuff, all of these packages all the time. And, uh, I mean, it's a benefit to everyone in the community, obviously, so... This package by Marcel enables you to tinker with your variables in real time while working on your Laravel app. The package contains, uh, it basically collects data via calls to a tinker helper that ships with the package and allows you to then interact with those variables on the fly. So I guess, you know, if you're if you're writing some code, you're not sure what's happening or you want to inspect that, um, what you can do is you can put like tinker dollar variable inside your code. And when you load the page, it'll then fire up in your terminal, a tinker session with that variable ready to go so you can inspect it immediately. So where you may have previously done a DD and it's spat that out into the browser, using tinker will then allow you to interact with that variable directly and and, and check relationships and make calls on it to make sure, you know, if you're debugging some issue, um, you'll be able to figure out what that is by directly interacting with it. So I guess it's an alternative to using xdebug uh, but it's yeah, certainly right. a lot easier it's than getting poor, XDebug poor man's up and running. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I've literally never been able to get XDebug running. I think Matt Stauffer recently posted something about the, his same struggle, right? It's yeah. like, I think he fought with it trying to get it set up for forever. And I feel like I've had the same fight. I feel like I've spent multiple half days trying to get XDebug set up just to get to that point and be like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I can't get yep. it to work. Screw it. And so, yeah, something like this is a good... Good way to do that. I know Paul has written up a couple different articles on how to get Xdebug set up with PHP Storm and all that stuff. I just can never get it to work. So, eh, sometime, someday I'll get it. <laughs> Until then, there's always this one. So, yeah. Thank you, Marcel Posiot. Finally got his name figured out. He said it on <laughs> Laracon Online, and I literally wrote down the pronunciation like in my <laughs> in my notebook. I was like, Posiot, Posiot, Marcel Posiot. That's how he says it himself. So, uh, Marcel, so sorry for saying it so wrong for so long, and uh, I will promise to get it right from now on. <laughs> As well, we are supposed to be having him and Frake on the show next time. So we're going to have them on the show next time to talk about some stuff because we said we were going to and we will. So there we go. All righty. What else do we have here? You know, one of the other things we did not talk about was... Um, Chris Fidal's course on my or on on database backups. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he had something like that. So MySQL backups course. So um, Chris Fidal, Servers for Hackers, uh, great guy. He's got some really good free stuff out there and some really good paid stuff out there. Has this new course, MySQL backups. Um, and so it teaches you, teaches you, excuse me, I can barely talk. So it's 43 different videos, six hours of content. It talks about MySQL dump, NODB and transactions, offsite backups, encrypted backups, using the bin log, automation and testing uh, to make sure that you don't end up with a disaster on your hands, data loss, bad queries, those sorts of things. So that's out there. It's a $99 course. And uh, we always uh, like to make sure to give Chris a shout out whenever uh, he makes this great content. So there you go. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Talk about dark mode, my man. You're nuking dark, dark mode. mode these days. Talk about nuking it. it. Yeah. <clears throat> I've I've decided I don't like dark mode. I've been using dark mode in Mojave on my computer at home. I've been using uh, whatever the previous, like High Sierra, I guess, is the previous version of Mac OS mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. Mac at work. I've I've just I've gone back to light mode. I just I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it's just not quite right. The colors or the contrast or something is just not quite right. But for those of you who do like dark mode, Horizon Laravel Horizon, which is a package first party Laravel package, has shipped version three that most notably. Uh, um, alongside its rewrite, uh, uh, rewritten <laughs> UI includes a new night mode, similar to what you might find in Laravel Telescope. Does it? Yeah. On that one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's all there is. Yeah. <laughs> your UI. No, no, no. Yeah, you set the, the Horizon new, environment via right. command option. There you go. That's right. So there's a night mode for Horizon now. There's a whole new UI. You've got the ability to customize Horizon's base, base path. So if you don't want to expose it at slash Horizon, if you want to put oh, it yeah, in slash nice. queue or that's nice, slash yeah. management or something, you can do that. Um, the Horizon Artisan command will now accept an environment flag to set the environment from the command line. Yeah, and there's there's some like miscellaneous fix and th- fixes and things like that. Fixes to deprecate it. I'm catching whatever you've got over there. It's just <laughs> know, words are not coming out of my mouth today. It's the good stuff, man. It's the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So and, and not even not only that, but like it's like uh, I lose an hour of sleep tonight. So it's actually one o'clock in the morning right now. Oh, so you've got you, you're doing the old spring forward. Yeah, well, I, I, must I, can be, never, I never. Yeah, that must mean we're due to spring back soon. There you go. That's a shame. Yeah. Winter is coming. Not a fan of it. It is. Uh, yep. Still, still haven't bought my flights yet. I've just been watching the the cost of the flights go up and down. But uh, I'm hoping to obviously get my flights and and come over and hang out in New York in summer. Awesome. That'd be nice. Matt Stipe was asking me at Laracon Online if you were going to be coming over. <laughs> Theoretically, like, is Michael yes. going to make the trip. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I did I did see the other completely unrelated to Laravel um, that. The Star Wars adventure part of Disneyland opens in May in Anaheim. And I said to Ree, you know, it's going to be an 11 p.m. flight home. I'm probably going to have to fly home via L.A. from New York. I may as well just go. And she's like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Yeah, she's like, don't you You dare go to Disneyland without me. You should probably do that. (laughs) You should probably just go. I think think if, if that happens, the locks will be changed when I come home. So It's worth it. Just break the door down. Yeah, we'll be the first we're time. we're we're aiming for twenty twenty five. That's Eli will be seven. If we'll theoretically have another kid that'll be you know old enough to appreciate Disney. So yes, sir. That's 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 when we're teeing it up for twenty twenty five. Dude, it is it is really cool when we went to Hollywood Studios and uh, got to see all like the stormtroopers walk through and they had the Jedi school and oh, it was super cool, super super yeah. cool. Looking forward to it. 
Yeah, anyway, we yeah, should yeah. quickly go and wrap. We should. This thing We've got up. just a couple of things left here. PHP Unit Speed Trap. So PHP Unit Speed Trap is a package that will basically profile your PHP unit tests and make sure that you don't have any that are slow, right? So many factors affect test execution time. Uh, if it's not isolated from uh, the database or the network or whatever, um, you know, it can cause these these execution times to to fluctuate or be or be long. So, um, basically, this was inspired uh, by Ruby R Specs profile option that displays feedback about slow tests, and that's what this one seeks to do. So, uh, pretty quick and simple integration. And Paul uh, wrote that up for us. So, thank you. Paul, all right, what else do we have here? We also had, uh, you know, talking about Laracon Online, which has already happened, but you had already mentioned it. If you hadn't got, gotten tickets, you should go ahead and, uh, you know, support those who uh, put it on. It was a really, really great conference. Had uh, got, uh, let's see, I think we had eight, eight other developers. Let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many it was total. I don't remember. Anyway, had a room full of uh, other developers hang out at our new location and uh, watch together. It was really, really good. Um, I'm trying to remember who some of the first talks were. It was so solid. Fake, oh, Jason McCurry. Fake spoke first, then J-Mac. Yeah, loved that. The, the event sourcing, oh my gosh, it was so good. It was so good. And the aggregate root stuff he was talking about with event sauce, it was so good. I loved it. So Frake mm. killed it. Way to go. JMac was super good too. Had some really good like solid refactorings. Uh, base code is like a thing that he's working on right now, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, a deal where he talks about some of those things. He did a really, really good job. The other thing I wanted to talk about, like, so we talked about Laravel Shift a little while ago. We recently had uh, Jason, uh, he often like, he offers human services as well. Yeah. Where he'll like, you know, just do coaching for you essentially. It's super reasonable. And he's, Great. He's really, really great. He's a great great teacher. He's very thoughtful and very considered in... And like, for me, I would say don't do that thing because it looks janky or it doesn't like... Whereas a lot of the stuff that he spoke about in his Laracon online presentation, I do, but not without the clarity of justification that he has for why to do those things. Yeah, I know. Um, That's what I was like. I'm, I'm missing that. Like, I need that... I need the catchphrase that says, here's why you can't do that or here's why you shouldn't do that, right? And he's got that. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, I guess 20 years of experience does that, right? When you've been doing this for this long, Mm -hmm. he just knows like, okay, this is where you're going to run into a problem and this is what it's called and here's why you shouldn't do that. So he can kind of speak with some authority on that. So we had an old app that was like 5.1 or something like that and Mm -hmm. he helped us get it up to 5.7. And I mean, like I said, it was super reasonable, super, super reasonable. He did a great job, helped me get it across the finish line, paired with me for a couple hours to kind of work the last couple bugs and it was excellent so Mm -hmm. uh, that's also an option for those of you who you know don't have a you know the finances to hire another full-time developer but you need to get some stuff across the finish line and you just need some help um jason's great so check that out um yeah they're kind of line i don't know if there's i don't know if there's a whole lot more to talk about with that um there's some really good stuff but make sure you snap up a ticket before it's too late yeah, please do. It was really, really good. Uh, and um, you will get this. access to all the digital swag as well. So it's not just the talks, but yeah. you get the swag as well. So yeah, last yep. last call. Um, yep, yep. Anyway, the, the last thing we've got here is Git down parsing markdown in PHP. So speaking of people that have left full-time employment and are off doing things that are great for our community, Caleb Pozio has built a Git down package Oh, sorry, the package is called Git Down, and it is a package for parsing GitHub Get flavored down. Markdown. Git Down. Um, so this essentially will hit up a public API endpoint on GitHub, 
that will take your GitHub Flavor Markdown and convert it to HTML. It will handle um, caching that stuff so that you don't hit Laravel, uh, so you don't hit any API rate limits within GitHub. Um, and you don't have to, you know, so this allows you to do all the server-side rendering stuff. Uh, it means you only have to do it once or, you know, anytime you update, for example, a blog post, if you're using um, Markdown to do your code blocks and things like that, jam it all in there, put in a little git down, colon, colon, parse and cache content, and that'll all go through the GitHub um, API endpoint and handle all of that translation for you. It'll then cache the response. So the next time someone loads that page, it's obviously not making the API request to uh, GitHub. So it's all on your end. So nice and easy. Check it out if you're wanting to get some server-side rendering of your markdown in your blog, your website, your documentation, whatever. Um, super easy stuff. Didn't TJ also have something that he was working on recently where he was handling both the GitHub or both the markdown processing or was it just for CodeFence stuff? I think what he was trying to get at is he was trying to do the code highlighting yeah, it was on the, the code, server side. Yeah, the code syntax highlighting. It was trying to get away from having to, you know, because we're all... You use highlight.js or down or highlight.js or whatever else. And it's like another JavaScript library that you have to pull in. And then you've got like a thousand different, you know, which CSS things do I use? And I'm like, I'm writing HTML and PHP now. And like, maybe later I want Ruby. So do I have to go and like get that extra syntax and all that kind yeah. of stuff? Um, with this, just like use the the git down thing. It, it'll even do all the style was for you. So it'll handle, I, I believe... Everything's done by symbols, so it's like it's referred to as a symbol. So each different part of your code um, is designated a symbol, so that an if statement in one language is an if statement in another language, and a brace and all that kind of stuff. So all of the the highlighting, all of the styles are there. It, it, look, it's all handled for you. Check out the link in the show notes, which goes into greater detail what it is. And if you're interested in that and you do use it, make sure you give a shout out to Caleb Pozio and thank him for for the work. Excellent. Okay. Whew, we're going to wrap this one up. I think both of us are like, Done. ready to die here. Yeah. Done. <laughs> we've, it's like, we've been out for three weeks and it's like, we get back and it's like, you know, it's like a guy who hasn't been to the gym for a while. He's just like, oh my gosh, I can barely do it. Plus yeah. my head's in the clouds right now, but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Episode hey, we 79, kept this one tight. are we? We kept this one tight. 79. Episode 79. Thanks everyone for listening and joining us. We really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to listen to our ramblings. If you like this show, you can find show notes for at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 79. Uh, also, you can feel free to rate us five stars in your podcatcher of choice. And if you have any questions or comments, of course, feel free to reach out to us at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News on Twitter. We so much appreciate all that you all do out there. I was just so blown away watching Laracon online this week how much value we get out of just being a part of this community. There are so many incredible tools, packages, people, tutorials in our community. We truly have one of the best. Thank you for being a part of it. We will see you in two weeks. Plus or minus a week. <laughs> no, we will we'll keep this thing we'll keep this thing on schedule now. We got it. We yeah. got it. All right. See you all. Peace.